Talks right here, we gon' talk about it right here. We gon' talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. It's today talks right here. We gon' talk about it right here. I'ma talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. Cause it's today talks. And I'ma talk about it. Yeah, cause it's today talks. And I'ma talk about it. The Tanae Talks podcast is brought to you by Hair by Jay Southall. Hair care that works. Growth therapy oil, scalp therapy oil, finishing spray, edge control, silky serum, eyelashes, hair units, and much more. Visit www.hairbyjsouthhall.com. Use code Tanae Talks to receive 20% off your next purchase. And welcome to this episode of the Tanae Talks podcast. Remember, Tanae Talks and you listen. Today, I have a very special guest that is near and dear to my heart. I have Miss Omni Odom. Welcome, Omni. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Omni is the author of the book, Single Mommies Stand Up. And from the title, as you know, that Omni is a single mom. And we just want to celebrate single moms today. And she's going to tell us her journey and why we don't have to hold our heads down. We don't have to sit down and shame because we're single mommies. But to empower women and let them know that, hey, single mommies, you can do this and you better stand up. You better stand all the way up. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Period. Period. Oh, you know, I like this not gonna even be like a traditional just, you know, like me asking you questions and interview like that. This is a real conversation because first and foremost, when I was reading your story, I was like, was she at my house? <laughs> was she at my house? Like it just it was the parallels of your journey into motherhood and my journey into motherhood were like similar when you get to talking about like the emotional abuse that you endured. Yeah. The bullying, like you said, the bullying, like I didn't even label it as that until post, you know, (laughs) you know, you don't even, while you're, you know, while you're going through this trauma, that's essentially what it is. You don't even realize how, you know, traumatic it is. So, um, but before we get into all of that, Omni, tell my audience a little bit about yourself and your background and why you're bossing up as a mom. Yes. Okay. So I'm Omni. I was born and raised in Flint. That's my hometown. 
And um, really, I moved to Detroit to go to college, and I had that whole dream of just going to school, get my degree, and then in my head, I was going, you know, get married, have a family, like all those things were going to come in like that specific order. (laughs) It it didn't, it did not happen like that. I held it down up until the the having a kid and getting married. I, I got the degree, I moved and got the degree and all those things, but somewhere along the way, it just... I let it all kind of fall apart. But um, that didn't stop me, though. I ended up having a daughter and became a single mom along the way really early on. She was like three months when I was for sure doing stuff on my own. And mm-hmm. um, I was also in grad school. So I finished grad school. I went to grad school to be a therapist. So that's what I do now. And um, I guess now where I'm at in life is just more or less blossoming. I became the therapist I wanted to be. Um, I'm in the process of becoming fully licensed. I am now co-parenting her with my girlfriend. Like we do that we together. Don't, we don't get into all of that, Omni. I, yes. you know, I don't even like that you said before you let it all fall apart. You didn't let it fall apart. You just experienced life. You know what I mean? Life yeah. Happens, and I feel like. As my boyfriend always say, there is a billion dollars. We're, we're up against a billion dollar industry that sells us a lot of stuff. Sells yeah. low self-esteem, sells us images, sells yeah. dreams. And one of those dreams that we were sold, and you just named it, was that this billion dollar industry, the entertainment industry, television, ads, all of that, TV shows, sold us the idea that go to college. Yep. Fall in love, whether it was your high school sweetheart or your college sweetheart. Get the career of your dreams. Make six figures. Make six figures. (laughs) Get married and have the white picket fence, right? We all fell to the billion-dollar industry selling us this. So don't even think that you're a fail in any way or that you, like, fell apart. We, you know, just experience life, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. what makes this interview so fantastic is that based on your book single mommy stand up we get to see the other side so right now in the in the present moment i get to see omni in her full flourish flourishment you know what i mean thanks (laughs) that's so dope because when y'all read this book and i gotta put emphasis on reading this book go copy that amazon.com yes (laughs) Stand up by Omni Odom, which will be down in the show notes. Y'all gonna be like, if y'all go and read this book and then see her on Instagram, which that'll also be in the link. <laughs> y'all gonna be like, wow, this girl, that girl in that book is not the girl before us today. Okay, and that's it. amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> As T Grizzly said, ain't it a blessing? Ain't it a blessing? Listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> that was probably one of, I tell people that all the time, that was probably the hardest point in my life. I've been, I've been through some stuff, mm-hmm. but I just felt like getting through that. And I, I talk about it at the end of the book, like what I had to let go of to get where I am now anger, uh, resentment, uh, uh, just frustration with the situation, like letting go of that stuff was to my benefit for sure. Wow. So we're going to dig right in. So 
when were you thrust into the role of being the mother? Take us there. So, okay. I went, before I had my baby, I had babies. I guess you could say, like, I had a guy baby. I had little cousins that I always helped care for. So, in my mind, that's what motherhood was. Like, you know, <laughs> right. I didn't realize, you get to give them kids back. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, it's, it's a little bit different. Right. And then I, when I was younger, though, I helped a lot with my little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I used to get us ready for school in the morning. I used to pack our lunches. I used to kind of be like, Ma, it's time for us to go. She'd be like, all right, hop in the car and drop us off. But I was responsible for, like, I don't know, just, like, getting us ready. Mm-hmm. Then I was responsible for, like, you know, cleaning up, making sure stuff was tidy. Like, it wasn't no just sitting around after school. But he really didn't have to do nothing because he was always younger. So I kind of had to watch after him a little bit. So I guess... <laughs> That was my intro into like responsible, being responsible for somebody else. Okay. Being a mommy though, like it it was full throttle when I got pregnant. At first it was kind of surreal to me. Like, okay, I'm pregnant, but you don't see it. I wasn't showing yet. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have morning sickness or anything like that. Thank God. But I didn't. You're you're a lucky one. (laughs) No, I didn't have any of those symptoms. The only symptoms I really had was being very tired Mm -hmm. and, um, my boobs grew very fast. <laughs> they were like <laughs> out of nowhere. I was like, but I, I was okay with that change. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right. Um, but that was really it. So when I had her, let me fast forward into that part. Um, no, no, no. Let me rewind. Getting prepared for her. I was used to like living a certain lifestyle, and I was used to like spending money, having money. Money wasn't a thing. When I got pregnant with my daughter all of that changed and I it hadn't resonated yet so I'm looking at like all this high-end baby stuff girl <laughs> I'm looking at all this high-end baby you stuff trying to be a Kardashian but I'm like <laughs> but I'm like adding I was like I can't afford this like what do you mean right. and I remember like that sinking in like wait I can't I can't afford this stuff and then um as I was continuing to prep for her like I would get like a refund check from school or something and go buy her some stuff like let me go buy some diapers let me get like um a lamp for her room some stickers for the wall just like little stuff like that that I was like okay it's coming and then when she got here that was a whole another round like I the the postpartum because I did experience that I experienced wasn't necessarily where I like I rejected my role as a mom I jumped straight into it like the feedings at 3 a.m the the breastfeeding she wouldn't latch I pumped exclusively for like 10 months mm-hmm. so like you a g that, I, didn't <laughs> I pumped exclusively that. for three months and that is, <laughs> when you're responsible for somebody's uh every their meal, nourishment their yes. survival <laughs> that is intense and she would wake up at first every two hours and I was up every hour and a half pumping to get ready and that that's when I thrust I feel like that's <laughs> like right after she came and trying to balance like nurturing her uh, nursing her um still trying to have some balance in the household people say you know when it's baby sleep that's when you sleep and I did that then nothing was getting done right so, I never did that. I never subscribed to that whole idea. (laughs) So I tried it. I did try it. So that's when I I think when she first was here, like, that's when it hit. That's when it hit that you felt like you were really thrust into motherhood. I want to talk about the book a little bit because 
One of the things that stood out for me when you got pregnant was that you were dating this guy. And can I say Canon? Is Canon an imaginary name, like a fictional name, or the real name? You can say Canon. Okay. <laughs> um, you got with this guy, Canon, and you know what I mean? He, you were so, so attracted to him. You were in love with him. And this guy kept on saying to you, I just want you to have my baby. Oh, yes. Baby. <laughs> yes. And that, that cut me deep. Okay. <laughs> I was bleeding when I read that because my son's father used to say that to me before we had our child. Like I was with my son's father for four years before we had a child because just like you, it was like I was in, we got, we, he and I dated in high school a little bit, lost touch got back at when I was in college or grown up, right? Grown, yeah. Grown. Um, we got back together. And one of the things, you know, it was like a that fast, passionate love, like you described yeah. in the book. It's just like, knock your socks off, right? But this yeah. person, you know, you, you ignore the red flags, as you mentioned. All of them. All of them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you were saying how this person, so kept acting, to, you know, we just start this family. And my son's father would do that to me. Like, I just want to see you walking around wobbling pregnant. I want you to have my girl look so good pregnant. <laughs> look at your face. Girl. When you're writing these words, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the book like, <laughs> take us to from that part. And then the nightmare It's like, all the, the whispering, the sweet, nothing's in your ear, and you like you all for it because you you love this person, so you are believing the hype. Take us there, Ami. Okay. <laughs> so look, like, what is it? Uh, Golden Girls, picture it, right? Like, <laughs> Detroit, two thousand thirteen. So <laughs> not Detroit, yes. Listen. Take us to the ghetto stories. <laughs> so okay. I mentioned a couple things. When I got with him, my self-esteem isn't where it was now. I was educated. I had my own money. But as I noted, I was a dancer. So even though I had it like kind of all together on the outside, that part still helped me back in a lot of ways because I wasn't, I didn't feel good enough for a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And one of them was who I would accept in my love life. So at that point in time, he didn't have really much to offer financially, mentally, really anything. But I seen like this potential in him. And I felt like I could nurture that if he could nurture mine. So in the book, I put it like, I felt like if he could settle for me, I could settle for him. Mm. So mentally, mm -hmm. that's where I was when I was even allowing somebody like him in my presence and let me not say like I don't it's not that I don't believe in like struggle love in the sense that people can kind of come up together you can be yeah. broke and have a dream that's not <laughs> what I'm saying but what I am saying is that where I was at in my life I didn't have the I was trying to get me together so I really didn't have time to be with somebody who didn't have them together or any direction either mm -hmm. and um anyway I did get with him and he it was intense like 
he would just be going on and on about how he wanted to be a good dad and how he wanted the opportunity to be a parent and how, you know, in his own experience, he had lost his father very early in life. Mm -hmm. And um, he wanted that chance that his dad couldn't give him. And at first I was shook. I'm like, baby, (laughs) (laughs) like I I, I wrote this in there too. Like the first time um, I did let it happen where like we had unprotected sex and, you know, he shot the club up and whatnot. I was like, all right, well, let's, um, let's go down the street real quick. He like, for what? We pull up at CVS. I'm like, you got $50. And he ain't had no money. I'm like, okay, I got $50. Like I went in and got the (laughs) Red flag number one. <laughs> the, the, listen, the pharmacist gave me the pill. I literally grabbed a little Sprite or whatever out the cooler. I took it before we got to the parking lot. I was throwing it away in store. He looked at me, damn, like, I, I was like, what's wrong with you? And he was like, I really want to be a dad. I'm like, okay. Because they, so, they, hit you with, they hit you with the, uh, you, 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 you want to kill my baby? Yeah. Uh, type thing. I was like, <laughs> I told him, so he was a little bit younger than me. And I told him, like, look, I don't, if I'm at the time I was 23, I'm like, if I'm 23 and I don't think I'm ready, you know, you couldn't be. You're 20. Yeah. And I'm like, I just don't think, I don't think you would be ready for that. But it continued to be very intense and very strong after that. And um, it got to the point where like he was tracking my periods and he was tracking like fertile days. And he was like, okay, look, you could get pregnant now. And I'm like, oh, he's serious. Mm-hmm. And I seen the disappointment in him when we had taken a pregnancy pregnancy test and I wasn't pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well maybe, you know, he is about that life and this is what he wants. And I was, I was first of all, smitten with the idea of love at the time. And yeah. so it was yeah. just more or less, I had this feeling that felt good. And in my mind, I should nurture him because he's giving me this feeling and if it, what he wants is another human being in this world then I should I should do that so he kind of sold me on that idea and then um it happened I got pregnant with my daughter I could tell you exactly when I know exactly when I got pregnant <laughs> with my daughter you knew you was like oh I'm pregnant like that shit I, I knew because I knew because when I looked back at it like uh, when I was writing a book I actually thought about this when I look back at it um there are the encounter we had at the time, they were like kind of few and far in between because I wasn't feeling it like that. It's like mm-hmm. he was still kind of on fence about it. But it, it, there was only one specific encounter that would have fit in the, the timing where I could have got pregnant. So that is for sure when. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, now I tell him and I'm nervous and he's still all in at this point. Like, oh, you know, he was excited and it was like still like a little connection. But very shortly after things changed, mm-hmm. I want to say not even a whole two months after things changed, um, I was at this tra- transition point in my life. I was trying to stop dancing mm-hmm. and I was saving up my money to do so. I made it quite a bit. So I was trying to like just buckle down on my spending and mm-hmm. all that. And um, I had gotten a job too. So I could like segue out easier. Mm-hmm. I lost that job. And then my boss at the club found out I was pregnant. He gave me a, you can work here until you, you three months, then you got to go. Because right. I was kind of small mm-hmm. back then. So you could see it kind of in my, my chest. But then I started showing a little bit at the bottom. He like, no, I'm like that ain't the look we got up in here. <laughs> <laughs> we trying to sell a fantasy, not pregnant. Yeah. 
not pregnancy. I'm like, okay, you know, so now I'm like, I lost my job and this other source of income. I'm like, oh my God, you know, so my self-esteem just going further and further down the chute. I'm like, pregnant stripper. Oh God, what did I do with myself? And um, his attitude just started changing. And I think some of it had to do with like commentary from his family members. So it was more like, he's young and all his cousins is around his age. So they like, you know, you ain't supposed to be having kids right now. We still out here popping. We still out here doing X, Y, and Z. Right. I think it started to take a toll on him, which then took a toll on me because I was getting the brunt end of it. Yeah. And um, it went, it went very quickly from like this whimsical, I'm falling in love type of story mm-hmm. to like, oh my God, now I feel stuck. In, in the, you know, after that point, that, that that changed right because remember it was like you said use the word whimsical it was love and then he would basically abuse you Mm -hmm. and you would stay and I end up learning this term later on that I feel like uh applies is applicable to your situation and mine too was he would love bomb you Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. things would be bad like you you there was a point in the book where you know he treated you really bad, you packed up your things and you were about to go. And then he's like, no, 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 I love you. I love you. I, you know, I, I want my family. <laughs> I want my family. And so he loved bombing <laughs> you because what and love bombing does and what I learned in therapy is that you hold on to those good moments that you guys had together and you remember those. So even in the midst of you, like, I'm about to go, I'm fed up. But then he's yeah. like, I love you and then it goes back to right the billion dollar industry telling us that yeah should be married you know not not to have kids out of wedlock or whatnot so then you know you stay and so you mentioned about you were scared to be a statistic and talk to the listeners right about that to a single mama out there who may be pregnant right now and she is battling that war in her mind that's saying dang, now I'm going to be a statistic. Mm-hmm. As if being a single mom is just the most horrible thing on earth that you can do. Because it's really not. I was really <laughs> right. psyching myself out. Okay. So first and foremost, I think it's important to understand just motherhood in general. Like take take the labels off of mm-hmm. just being a single mom or whatever the case may be and just focus on what a mom is. Mm-hmm. And so being a mom, first and foremost, like in my mind, if I came up with a few things, it's like being strong, mm-hmm. um, being uh, able to sacrifice, mm-hmm. being somebody who's flexible. You gotta be. <laughs> and loving, you know, and I feel like, okay, I got these qualities. Why am I tripping? Because mm-hmm. back then my thought was on paper, I'm a young black girl. Well, now at this point, no money. So now I'm a young black broke girl with uh, in my heart, in my mind at the time, no future because I didn't did this. Now, the only, my saving grace was having good people in my life. My shout out to Taria Scott because that's who talked to me about going to grad school. Mm-hmm. And um, that's who kind of was like, well, if you can't go sit in class, you think being pregnant is going to be too hard. I know it is good online school. Mm-hmm. And so she introduced me to go in and get my ma- master's degree online. And so that was really the only thing I had going for myself at the time mm-hmm. um and I kind of used that to my advantage to kind of get like I said where I am now because at the time what I thought a statistic was was just because I was gonna be I seen it before it was happening I was like I'm about to be doing this by myself 
I was I was gonna be unmanageable. My life was ruined. Um, then it was who's gonna wanna date me? I got a baby. Uh, Don't nobody uh, want that baggage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want that ba- I'm a baby mama. You so, know? Oh, yes. I <laughs> think I was more scared of the term baby mama than anything. <laughs> Listen, that was that was the main thing. So in my mind, I'm like, how did this become me? That was how I. And then every time I seen somebody, it didn't help. Like, you pregnant? Oh, I thought you would be married by now. Oh, or, oh. <laughs> oh you having a baby? Omni, Omni, did we live the same life? Like... I think so. I think so. Omni, I, I remember I went to a party, and this was after my son was born. Maybe he was about one. And I was talking to a, a, a homegirl, and she was expressing some baby daddy issues. And I explained mine. And, and I was telling her, I wouldn't, you know, we're not lo- no longer together and all this stuff and all the bad he had done to me or whatever. And she was like, you? You're like, I thought you, like you said, I thought you would be married and everything was hunky-dory, you know, because you kind of, you present a certain way. Because oh, yeah image out there about you uh, my presentation was on point for the family Period. Like, all my the presentation time. was on point <laughs> it was <laughs> but behind those doors and <laughs> internally you're like you you said something so important like who would want to date me after this and and then the guy that you're with said to like are, are they gonna want you for a sex yeah ain't nobody gonna want you ain't nobody you, you ain't what? even all that <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, shit, I must not be worthy, you know? Like, and I was, cause I'll just, like I said, I have to battle with changing things for myself at that point in my life was changing my mindset. Mm. And then to be fair, I was watching Artist Struggle Love on TV. And, yeah. and I'm like, industry. like you said, <laughs> so I'm thinking like, okay, this must just be a part of what women have to go through when they want their families. Cause I'm like, okay. Such and such went through this. Such and such went through that. And, but they together and they happy now, right? So like this must mean (laughs) that it was just like this reinforcement in my head that things would get better. And it was also, you know, me condoning this whole idea that becoming a single mom, if that's what had to happen, was just, you know, just forbidable. It's just something that (laughs) I really, so to whoever is listening, I say this, to whoever is listening who might be a single mom on the brink who might be pregnant and don't know what's going to happen next, whatever the case may be. Just focus on yourself. Because one thing that did resonate with me as I became a mom is, you are not okay, that baby not okay. And let me tell you something about energy. Them kids see it. They recognize that energy. They feel it when they're inside. They feel it when they come out. Um, It's crazy the bond you have with your baby. For example, when, when my child used to cry, my breast would leak. Leak milk. You bonded. So yeah. think for about life. that again. For life, that energy <laughs> is reciprocated. And so it came to a point, and this is later on in my journey, but it came to a point where I wanted to change the narrative for myself. Mm-hmm. And um, in order to get to that point, you got to do some digging first. You got to do some self-assessing. And that can mm-hmm. be very uncomfortable because you got to be realistic with yourself. Yeah. I don't blame myself for any of the abuse I endured, physical, the mental, the verbal. That's not my mm-hmm. fault. The part I played in that was settling. The part mm-hmm. I played for that was allowing myself to get to a point where I didn't feel like I deserved anything better. 
I, I slipped up on my affirmations. I stopped loving on me and expected that the only love I was supposed to have was the love that was provided to me by him. And mm -hmm. Lord Jesus, he was falling short. So <laughs> <laughs> if that's all the love you get in there. <laughs> so my advice to you is to not stop loving on yourself and to continue to evolve. And when you notice a change in yourself, take a moment, take a week, take a month, really assess that change. Where is it coming from? Is this because I'm growing? And it's a little uncomfortable because I'm growing or is it because I'm in an uncomfortable place and this is a result of something that's unnecessary. Right. You know, you know what I mean? And I think that just continuing to tap into yourself, that's so important. I always talk about the three R's with my clients and as a, as a, I don't know, as myself, why you have to be able to relax. That's the first R, relax. You have to be able to decompress from your day and whatever is going on in the world. Second R is relate. You have to find what aligns with you. And when you start building yourself up and finding things that align with who you are and what you identify with, the things that don't align will fall apart. They will go away. And it's easy because you've only, you, now you know who you are. You don't allow things in your space that don't belong. And then the release. And I think this is an important part. Like you talked about going to therapy. I went to therapy. Mm -hmm. um, you have to find a way to let it out. Mm-hmm. Because keeping it in only helps it manifest in a negative way. And nothing comes good with you sitting up at three o'clock in the morning with all your thoughts in your mind. Just right. Right. Yeah. That's not healthy. And so tap into yourself, love on you, and I promise it's going to be okay. Omni, I love that was one of the things on my docket is to, is to seek, is, it was to tell single moms to seek therapy because we're, we're, the world tells us that we, as mothers, we got to endure and take it all, even from our kids, you know, and, and our kids come with their own set of personalities, which ain't always pleasant. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> What's a little, sometimes it's a little too close to your own. I'm like, <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. So Take that time, single moms. Go get you some therapy because you you cannot pour uh, from an empty cup. Yeah. Another thing that you mentioned is um, that I wanted to go back on. So Omni has a master's degree. You know, I have a master's degree. Shout out to us. <laughs> <laughs> but as she mentioned in the book, and as I can attest to, because that's why I'm like, Omni, are we living a life? Some of the things that you have to do that you may have frowned upon or had a stereotype about before becoming a single mom. But one of the things you mentioned was you had to get on WIC. I had to go get WIC. I, I remember getting WIC. And actually, right now, I wish I still could get it, uh, quite frankly. Listen, <laughs> some food stamps or something. Listen, snap, benefits. <laughs> I, I want to just give it back. All, I feel like all moms, no matter your socioeconomic status, need a SNAP benefit card because that's just... Because these kids be hungry. <laughs> they stay hungry, period. So before you became a single mom... Oh, wait, before I even ask that question, that's the thing that you touched on, right? The, the whole idea of the struggle love. And these things, this negative behavior being perpetrated on the on the television that we watch for entertainment, 
and being basically you didn't say it but basically what we were doing was falling into the idea of being a ride or die chick man and you said it like feeling like this is the initiation process that i have to go through in order to get and we're not realizing well these people are some of them are making way more money than us or sometimes this tv show is renting a home for them for them to be or live this lifestyle that is presented to us for the duration of the season but in our minds we're saying you know in order for us to be able to get to the end of the other side to be like yeah he did x y and z but look at us now and you don't have to go through that first so thank you for touching on that and get into the uh, other side of that about other side of that of just being a ride or die single mamas out there you don't have to ride or die i remember when i got with my boyfriend and i was like <laughs> you know this is at early on stages, I was like, are you going to be ride or die? And he was like, nah, I'm a ride. And I might get injured a little bit, but I ain't dying. And I'm like, listen, that's real. <laughs> what was I going to say to that point? Um, let me think, hold on. Riding and dying. Me... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the same way. Like, okay, where did it go? Because, okay. <laughs> the, the concept with the whole ride or die thing, right? It's just that in order to have like, I guess, long-term love, mm-hmm. I had to do this. But part of the conviction for me was feeling like if I didn't stay together with this person as a family, then I was going to fail my daughter because we weren't still together. Mm-hmm. And so not being able to give her her mom and dad in the same household made me feel like a failure. And mm-hmm. I also carried the weight on my shoulder to do that. Like, in order for her to have the proper upbringing and be um okay mentally she needs to have us both in the household (laughs) not even considering not even considering that having us both in a toxic household together where she's been witnessing me be disrespected or Mm. abused that's not to anybody that's That's not not a good life (laughs) so when I was doing that tapping into myself process that I went through I had to figure out where I came from I'm not always big on the why for something but for that I felt like I needed to truly understand where that came from and I recognized that it came from a yearning I had as a kid when my parents separated yeah and I felt like I was gonna do that different than them so part of it was a little ego like I'm gonna do this different and but then it got to to what extreme huh like to what extreme (laughs) you gonna let this nigga knock your head off in order to prove your parents wrong that i did you're taking it too far (laughs) so that though that that me feeling like hey i wanted to do it different but me also feeling like it's something that i wanted so bad as a kid like for that because they separated for sure they were done, done by the time I was in the fifth grade. Right. And I was old enough to know what was up. My mom did not hold back on telling me why. And, and <laughs> Lord Jesus, the conflict between when, them initially. When keeping it real go wrong. <laughs> my mom. But, you know, it is what it is now. Um, and then the flip side of that was also me seeing them co-parent after. So that also Mm -hmm. set up some false pretenses for me. And I talk about this a little bit in the book too, because their co-parenting situation was almost flawless. It was like my mom accepted what my dad was going to do or not do. My daddy did the same thing and they just made it work. I can't remember a time in my life my daddy wasn't there. Birthday party, Mm -hmm. graduation, whatever the case may be. Um, 
and they were both there. A lot of my birthdays, most of my birthdays were at my mama's house, at home, in the backyard, in the front yard. I got a summer birthday. My daddy was there to facilitate every activity, whether she was dating somebody else or not. Um, also, my dad has five kids by four different women. I'm close to all my siblings and their families. Because that's what black people do. We don't got half siblings. Oh, that's yeah, your daddy, my you my sister, you my brother. <laughs> Period. So, I mean, tomorrow I'm supposed to be going to meet up with my sister's granny and them. You know what I mean? So right, I just, right. in my mind, I didn't see it like it had to ever be a, a point where we couldn't be family. Correct. And technically that's true, but not true for everybody. And I was trying to force it on my situation. So. I love that. So to the listeners out there, yes, y'all going to be bonded for life because you have this baby and you want it to be ideal, an ideal situation like Omni and her parents. But if, if that's not the case, you don't got to force it, you know, because we're you got to think about the health of the child and you don't want them to be able to see you know, that bit that bickering. Um, there was a part in the book when you were like, I wish I could have just reclaimed my time. <laughs> reclaim my time. I did. <laughs> I was when mad. I think about the reclaiming the time, we wouldn't without going through what we went through as single moms, we wouldn't be able to get to the other side where we are now and to be able to tell some some woman out there, whether young or old, that, hey, there is a, a there is a brighter side to it. And that other side is beautiful. Loving your that child that you gave birth in life, yes. whether that other parent wants to participate in the journey or not, but it's just beautiful to be a mom. One of the last things that I wanted to touch on before we close out on this wonderful talk and for you all out there to go, make sure you get the book, Single Mommy Stand Up by Omni, which is down in the show links. I don't even want to give it all away, but give you little tidbits and pieces about Omni's story and how, uh, you know, it's, it's a bright side to it. it, it it's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Be, it's like a beautiful nightmare. <laughs> you know? I'll take that. <laughs> you I'll know? take that. Is how can that be? It it just is. But one of the things you said was, while I was giving him life, he was taking life from me. And I was like, <laughs> while I was giving him life, he was taking life from me. Yeah. <sighs> If you could talk to a young girl right now who said that to you, who came into your office and said that to you, what would you say to her next? I would ask her where, how can I put this? I would ask this girl, what, I, I do this a lot with my clients. Sit back. We sit back. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. And tell me what you see for yourself. And don't be scared to say what you see for yourself because you see people leaving or you see things not happening the way that you want them to happen. And a lot of people choke when I get them that assignment because they're not ready to say that yet. So if I would have done that at that point, if a therapist had asked me to do that, I would have been afraid to say, I see myself happy because I knew happiness didn't come with him. Mm -hmm. I would have been afraid to say, I see myself successful because I didn't see how I was going to do that and finish school and be a single parent. So and ma manifesting what you want first, putting it out there. What is it that you want? 
Don't be scared to say it. Then, okay, now you know what you want. You did not hold yourself back. We finally get to this point where you say what it is you want and you're not going to hold yourself back. Now let's be realistic about how you're going to make it happen. And we talk about nouns a lot in therapy. What people, places, and things got to go so that you can get where you want to go. And if I had anything to say to any young girl or my younger self back then, it would just be slow down and don't settle. Because I don't know a successful person alive that settled. And I'm not just talking monetary. Mm. Even myself, I consider myself a success story and getting out of an abusive relationship and not even an abusive relationship, changing my mindset. Because to go back a second, like you just said, that struggle love was a part of me and I changed that mind. I changed up on that, but then I still had the mindset that we had to be friends and co-parent a certain way. I hadn't changed my mindset yet yeah. to practice yeah. acceptance. I forgot to say that. That's important for any young mom to know. Practicing acceptance will take you far. Accept things at face yeah. value, mm-hmm. which is harsh sometimes. I ain't going to act like it's just when you, <laughs> ooh, you're accepting it. Oh, it's so easy. No, it, that'd be hard. It's really hard stuff. But I promise you on the other side of that, when you've done the self-assessing, when you've practiced this acceptance, when you've set boundaries and goals for yourself and you start meeting that stuff, it feels so good. It feels so good. So, I would say, oh, go ahead. I'm giving him life, and he's taking life from me. If any young girl who is ex- feeling that way right now, Omni said it so eloquently, but I'm gonna say, uh, don't let that nigga take your life. It's That's what I meant. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said in the office. So, in therapy, my job is not necessarily to tell somebody what they should or shouldn't be doing, but it's for them to bring it to life themselves. That's right. No, if it was my little cousin or something, they might have got <laughs> they might have got a straight. No, Chase is just like you. You put it, but that's why towards the very end, and you haven't gotten there yet, so I won't even do. It. So I was gonna ask you, could I read that part? But you haven't gotten there, so I won't. But I wrote a message to the mommies, mm-hmm. and I wrote a message to him at the very end. Y'all got to get the book so y'all can get the message. I'm almost done. I'm going to get the message, period. I'm going to get the message. <laughs> but um, part of what that message is conveying is just that I learned from this experience, and now I get to help other women just like me. That is so important to me. If I could just touch one out of every five, 10 moms, one out of 20, hell, I would have, pre- like, I just want to touch somebody because that, I just remember that time in my life just seemed like dark. Yeah. It just seemed so dark and so heavy. And even after the relationship, when I was trying to rebuild myself and be a mom, that was hard. So yeah. it wasn't rainbows and Skittles, y'all. And, <laughs> and the, uh, on that note, when you say acceptance, thank you for saying that. I literally this summer and I've been being somebody mama for 10 years but I just accepted that me and him don't have to be friends I kept trying to force Mm -hmm. we should be friends when this person has no doesn't have my best interest at heart and Mm -hmm. that's fine because we don't gotta be kumbaya no it don't gotta be that so if you had, you kind of said it earlier, but I want to give it to you in a different way before we close out our talk. If you had to describe the role of mother 
as a job on Indeed.com. <laughs> what would be the selling for you to say, apply, 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 apply today? <laughs> let me think. Okay, so let me think. Of the, I got to talk. think about the description out loud. I would have to say something like, must be fierce. <laughs> like, <laughs> but no, it has to, you have to have, I think you just have to have the will to keep going. And I know I have that. I've always had that. You have to pull from your strengths when you're down, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the strengths that I've always had is I always make it through. I'm a go-getter. And I always get where I say I'm going to get. Even though I'm hard on myself and I hardly take time to celebrate my accomplishments, when I look back, I always do what I say I'm going to do. It always gets done. So I think on Indeed, if I was advertising it or if I was looking for a job, the selling point for me would just be, you know, must be able to finish what you start. I do. Period. Period. I love it. Thank you, Amini, for coming to Tanae Thank you for um, in true Tanae Talks fashion, this is your time to give your shout out. So who you want to shout out today? Okay. So in my book, I did a list of shout outs in the beginning, my village. Let me make that clear who, who they are. I want shout out to London, London Reed as my best friend. Oh, she was there through it all. Even after <laughs> us, you know, having a moment or two where we weren't speaking for a little bit, she just has been there. She's the best god mom mm-hmm. a baby could ever have. Um, I want to give a shout out to Bay, my angel. <laughs> no, she she definitely um, she gave me what I was looking for. I always wanted that family unit, and I have that with her, and I have that with her, and my daughter. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, God, first and foremost, because like <laughs> I said in my book, um, he, I don't know, just having that spiritual connection with that with God, with my higher being, you know, that really helped me get through some of these these harsh, harsh times, and um, I'm going to shout out myself. Shout out to Omni. Shout out myself. And not on a copy (laughs) level, just on a, damn girl, you did that. You did it. You came, you could have stopped at any any moment in that journey. You could have stopped, you could have gave up, you could have sulked. I remember there was a point in the book when you said, you had got offered a job, but because of where your self-esteem was at, you didn't even feel like you would. I could take it. You could take that job. So shout out to you. Shout out to any woman out there that don't think that you qualified or you're able or you're whatever. Change that mind. Change yeah. that mind. Change your life. Um, I want to give a shout out to the number one single mama I know, Beverly. May she rest. Hey, my mama. <laughs> and shout out to the boy who made me a mama, AJ. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this episode again was brought to you by Hair by Jay Southall. Go to www.jsouthall.com for all your hair care needs. Use the code. Tanae Talks and receive 20% off your next order. Hey, headline hoe of the week in my new segment, headline hoe. Don't be a headline hoe. Read the article. Lesson.com <laughs> article. Why is Kamala Harris receiving $19.08 on the campaign trail? And it is because she is a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated and the sorors across the nation are donating $19.08 
in honor of when the sorority was founded in 1908. Oh, yeah. So remember, don't be a headline hoe. <laughs> Read the article. And that concludes our talk. Thank you, Omni. Thank you, Tanae. Bye.